You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. And uh, I'm just believing today, and I want you to believe right from the start. And, and, and you know, even today, just a little bit, for those that know Mike Connell, uh, just even as a church, the way we're doing Freedom Sunday is a little bit different where we're believing more rather than it be all about someone praying for you, and we will do that a little bit at the end, it's more about you stepping into encounter. So I I want you to believe right from the start that at the end of this session, no matter what, that you're going to have your own personal encounter with Jesus. And I'm thankful, and I've had many times when a brother has had to stand with me and help me get through stuff, but I tell you what's way more powerful than that is when you just hear directly from God. You know, I've... You know, I love prophecy, but a word from heaven trumps prophecy every time. You know, I, I, I moved countries on a word from heaven. There were some pro- prophetic words that confirmed it, but I'd never move countries just because someone gave me a word. I don't care who it is. But when you hear from heaven, that's when stuff shifts. And I love that Jesus came so that we can have direct connection to our Heavenly Father. Whether you've been a Christian three days, 30 years, or you're not even one yet, you can hear from God today and encounter His presence. And I want to, this message is called uh, the pressure test. Everyone say pressure test. And when we think of a pressure test, I don't know about you, but I don't get too excited. Like, like going through a season of kind of pressure. But you know, in life, there are seasons that feel pressured, pressurized. And, and, but, but really, a pressure test is it's kind of a good thing. If you think about this, is if there's a pipe that goes into the ocean to take oil from the ocean, a valuable commodity. And before they use the pipe to extract the valuable commodity, what they'll do is they'll do a thing called a pressure test where they ran that pipe full of so much pressure to test the pipe. But but they don't do it to kind of reveal a crack and then say, all right, cool, let's just throw this pipe away. They put the pressure in there to see where areas of weakness are revealed and then they repair the areas of weakness so the pipe can do the thing that it was made to do, which is to carry a valuable commodity. See, God allows us to have seasons of pressure because when pressure comes, it reveals some cracks. But He doesn't reveal it just for the sake of it. He reveals those cracks so that we can now see them, so that then we can repair them, so that we can carry more of His presence and step more into the destiny that God has called us to step into. And we live in a world today, I believe, where it's probably the most pressure, pressurized age that we've ever lived in. I mean, the amount of anxiety that people are under, the amount of depression, the amount of suicide. and You know, but I, I love, there's a scripture that says, when sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And if you want to put that into terms, in, into terms that we can understand, what it really means is no matter how loud sin shouts, grace shouts louder. And you could take that same principle that no matter how pressurized, no matter how tough things get, Jesus shouts louder than what you're going through. And no matter how pressurized things get, He is always the answer. You know, I remember praying for a young lady four years ago, and she had 
I think she was about 22 at the time, but she had tried to end her life about 10 times since she was 13 years old. She was in the psychiatric ward in New Zealand, and I just happened to be at a church near the psychiatric ward on a Sunday night doing a freedom kind of message, and she had some friends that went to this church, and they went and requested that she could leave the psychiatric ward just to come to church, and they'd bring her back. And I actually remember the moment and about 100 or so people came to the front, but for some reason, I remember her being highlighted to me. I didn't know her story. I didn't know she'd just been in a psychiatric ward. She had so many different kind of, you know, so much mental illness. One of them was that she couldn't sleep because of what she was going through. And, and I remember her coming, and I grabbed her hand. I started to prophesy. I said, I don't know who you are. I said, but, but you're going to have the greatest sleep that you've ever had in your whole life tonight. And she's crying, and God touched her. And literally, in that moment, she radically got set free. So much so that her psychologist, who was, you know, her psychologist because of the psychiatric ward, now started to diagnose her with something else because it's too manic to go from where you are to totally normal. normal. But since that moment, she's been completely normal. Six months after that, she actually made a movie about her friend that took her own life. And then a guy called Peter Jackson, who actually directed Lord of the Rings, has followed her around for two years, making a movie about her. She's won a whole heap of awards and become a voice for suicide prevention around the world. And I want to tell you that no matter how pressurized things get, suicide's never the answer. Jesus is always the answer. No matter how tough things get, Jesus always has a way out. And I want to talk about a man in the Bible called Elijah, who, who really ended up oppressed. He ends up under a tree, suicidal. God, I'm done. Take my life. I'm finished. And so in case, rather than read the whole story, let me just tell you what happens. There's Elijah starts and he first prophesies that there'll be no rain for three and a half years to the evil king Ahab. He then goes to this place where God calls him and he, he, he just drinks from the, the brook, the stream, and birds bring food from heaven. And then God calls him to another place and a widow provides for him in the drought of oil and flour and and then he arrives at his pinnacle, in a sense, where he now stands before the evil that Jezebel runs. And there's 450 bell prophets, and the whole nation has turned away from God. And Elijah stands up, and he says, well, listen, you put a bull in this uh, you know, pit, and I'll put one in here. And whichever God answers by fire, that is the God. And, and miraculously, fire literally comes from heaven. And the whole nation turns back to God. A whole nation turns back to God. And they slay the 450 Baal prophets. And in a sense, he reached the pinnacle of ministry. But then after that, one word from Jezebel, the, the demonic queen, the evil spirit, the principality, the power, one word from Jezebel that you'll be dead by tomorrow. And he runs in fear. And he ends up under a tree talking to God, I'm done. Just kill me. Finish. I'm done. I failed just like all of my ancestors did. I'm finished. I'm done. Kill me. And then an angel comes and ministers to him and eventually goes up to a cave. I want to speak into that a little bit because often when pressure comes, we look for caves. We look for places to hide. Because when you go into a dark place, no matter what type of cave it is, you don't see the cracks that have been exposed in your life, so we hide. 
And then God comes and remember the fire comes and God says not in the fire and then the earthquake and the wind and God wasn't in any of those and then the still small voice of God and that's what I'm believing today out of everything that you would hear the still small voice of God because the thing that got Elijah out of the cave was he heard the still small voice of God and no matter what season you're in today I'm just believing that you personally hear the still small voice of God and then there's a little bit more that happens but I'll get that at the end the first I want to just going through the pressure test and this will be a good message to also get you through and to stay free and and, and Elijah I'm going to show you at the end he didn't quite handle the pressure test and there's a few things that I can see in the story that you need to know how to overcome the pressure test is number one is you've got to understand it's God's voice or word that sustains you in 1 Kings 17, 2 to 4, and then 1 Kings 17, 7 to 9. And the guys can put it up, but I'm just going to tell you the story if that's okay. It starts off with him hearing the voice, go to this, this, the Kirith Ravine. And when he goes to the Kirith Ravine, see, listen, he hears the voice of God, he obeys, he goes to this new place, and he drinks from the brook, picture of the Holy Spirit sustaining him. Birds bring food that come from heaven, from the air. A picture of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that is sustaining him. This is how Elijah starts his journey. He he heard the voice which drew him to the brook, which sustained. And the food, From it's a picture of devotion. It's a picture of connectedness. And then because he's in the right place, he hears the voice again. and, And he says, now go to Zarephath where a widow will provide for you. Just as a side note, let me tell you that your provision is always where God's called you to be, not where you are now. See, so often what we want is God, show me the provision and then I'll go. And he says, no, go and your provision will be where you're going. So many people live their whole life never going because they're waiting for it to come before they'd go. But that's not how God works. He says, no, I want you to go. And when you go, you'll find the provision and the thing that you need to take you to the next place. But again, connectedness and, and drinking from the river and eating the, the, bird, the, the food from the air. And then he says, now go to Zarephathi. Here's the voice. And what happens then? Now a widow provides what? Oil and bread. Two things again that represent Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And so Elijah starts off connected, hearing the voice of heaven being sustained, drinking the oil, partaking of the Holy Spirit, eating the the bread that came from heaven, the Word of God. And really it was that that sustained him. And really what it is, is a picture of how God wants us to live. He was living out of the overflow. See, the thing that caused him to kill the 450 prophets was this kind of lifestyle that he was living of connectedness. And it's how God wants you to live. See, God wants you to live out of the overflow. And what that means is that when you face the challenge that will come, you've already put the Word of God inside of you so it flows out. See, that's the way. So so in other words, you go and get a diagnosis that's not good, but you're already filled with the Word and the Holy Spirit and the Word's already in you and now you're ready to fight that test. 
or, or some kind of major lack thing happens with your business, but the Word is already in you because you're living out of the overflow, so now you're ready to face the challenge. See, that's how you're meant to live, and it's so much easier to fight like that. See, let me tell you, if you ever face a challenge where the Word's not in you, the answer is still to get the Word in you, but it's way easier to live if the Word's already in you and you're ready for the challenge that has come your way. And Elijah started off living out of the overflow, but then one word in 1 Kings 19, 1-4, and again, I'm just going to tell you the story, it's just so we can get more time to pray at the end. But 1 Kings 19, 1-4, this, this one message comes from Jezebel. You'll be dead by tomorrow. See, the way that he was living is what caused him to arrive at this amazing place. He was anointed. He had been in the presence. He had the Word in him, and he leads a whole nation back to God and kills 450 Baal prophets. But now one word from Jezebel, this principality and power, and it sent him running. If you ever had one email that changed everything, what one phone call, maybe of a death that changed everything. One word from a so-called friend that changed everything. Or one appointment with a doctor that changed everything. And, and this one thing comes, and if you were to look in the Scripture in verses 1 to 4, it says, he, when she spoke, he was afraid, and he ran away under this tree. If you look at the start of his life, we'll see that it was always he heard and then he went. And this is the first time that he heard something different and went because of what he heard. And the reality is if you listen to the wrong voice, you'll end up in the wrong place. <clears throat> he ends up oppressed. And really oppression is when there's so much noise and he was under a tree with so much noise. You failed like your ancestors. You should kill yourself. You should end your life. But we end up oppressed when simply the devil finds a legal right to speak. Where when there's an area of sin that we haven't repented of, that gives the devil a legal right no matter what it is. When there's unforgiveness towards someone else, no matter what they did, we give the devil a legal right to speak. But also when we come into agreement with what the devil's saying about us, we give him a legal right to speak. And now he ends up under a tree. And again, you can read the whole story in 1 Kings 19. The angels come and they say, Elijah, eat this food because you don't have the energy to make the journey. Now, again, if you want to put that into today's terms, Elijah, you ran out of gas. Elijah, in the beginning, you kept making sure you were full. You were connected. You were drinking. You were eating what came from heaven. And Elijah, you were so full that it caused you to get this pinnacle where you led a whole nation back to the Lord and you killed 450 Baal prophets. But Elijah, somewhere along the road, you stopped drinking and eating and you've ran out of gas. You ran out of gas. <clears throat> and I'll read this one, 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. It says... 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, it says, The Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And I've kind of, and it goes on to say, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he came out of the mouth of the cave. And God asked, what are you doing here? I've always wondered, why did God have to show the fire first? Like just to say, yeah, I'm not in that. Like it's kind of weird, do you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm about to visit you, Elijah, but let me show you three things I'm not in, and then I'll show you the thing that I'm in. And I've kind of always wondered, because why did it bring the fire and the earthquake and the wind? And what I believe the reason why Elijah ran out of gas is because what got him to where he needed to be, which was connectedness to the Holy Spirit, was also the thing that would keep him there. But somewhere Elijah had moved from being sustained by who God was, where he started to try to be sustained by what he did for God. See, see, see let, 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 you got to understand, Elijah had seen the fire. Elijah stood on the mountain and he watched the fire come from heaven. But God wanted him to know, Elijah, it's not the miracle of the fire that sustains you. I'm the only one that sustains you. Connectedness to me is what sustains you. Elijah, don't be deceived. I don't care how much fire you bring from heaven. It's only relationship with me that sustains you. See, he had seen the fire, but, but he had also seen the wind. Because he held a boy that was dead and lifeless and he watched the breath of God fill this boy and come to life. And God wanted him to understand, Elijah, it's not what you do for me that will sustain you and keep you. It's only being connected to me. Remember when you were drinking at the brook? Remember when you were eating the words that came from heaven? He had seen the earthquake. He had seen political systems shake because of his ministry. He had seen weather patterns shake because of his ministry. But what God wanted him to know is, Elijah, all these great things that you're doing for me, they're not what sustain you. They're not what keep you here. It's only the voice of God that will keep you. It's the voice of God that took you to this great place, but it's the voice of God that will keep you at this great place. And then the second thing that I think that Elijah failed to see, and it's very cliche, but it's this simple thought of new levels, new devils. See, when, when, when Elijah killed the 450 bell prophets, if you want, you could think of the 450 bell prophets as kind of individual demons, individual demonic strongholds. And Elijah, because he had been sustained, because he had put the word in, he kills these 450 individual demons. You, you know the amazing thing? You know what happened after he killed the 450 individual demonic beings? You know the next thing that happened is the atmosphere started to change and it rained. See, when you make a decision to kill some demonic stuff of your past, 
When you make a decision to say, yeah, everyone in my family has anxiety, but you know what? I'm going to fight some battles because it stops with me. When everyone's had addiction in your family and you say, you know what? That that might be the true of the past, but guess what? I'm going to fight some battles and it's going to stop with me. When you fight some depression or cancer or whatever it might be, when you fight those demonic battles, the atmosphere changes for the ones that come after you and your children get refreshed by the rain that they didn't even fight to have but somebody else fought so that someone after them could enjoy the rain of heaven and Elijah fought some demons so that others could enjoy the refreshing rain but he failed to understand this sort of new levels new devils because yes he took out the 450 individual demons but now Jezebel's angry Because Jezebel was the principality and power that was controlling the king, that was controlling the airways, was controlling everything. She had a stronghold on the nation. And the 450 Baal prophets, they simply served her will. And and he took out the 450, but now Jezebel was going to speak. And one word from this higher level demonic realm sent him into a spin, the great man of God. And he runs off and and he ends up oppressed. You know, I said this last time I was here, the last probably three, four months, and I feel like we're just coming out of it, has been the hardest three to four months that I've had in my 20 years of Christianity. Feels like every single like avenue, what can go wrong has been going wrong. So just, just stuff that we're fighting. But you know, last, talking about last year, last year where we launched our ministry in a new and fresh way. And last year, we saw more freedom miracles in one year than we did in seven years of full-time travel. And so why should I be surprised that we're seeing people every week getting free of anxiety and addictions and depression and destructive mindsets because sometimes what we want is we get free and we want the devil to roll out the red carpet and say hey welcome to your freedom I'm so happy for you because when you get free you now hold the head of that giant And when you hold the head of that giant, everybody else that's bound like how you were, now you're bringing freedom to them because you're saying, look, there was a giant in my life. It was anxiety, but look at the head of that giant. Yeah, I struggled with porn, but you know what? It was 10 years, but now look at the head of that giant. It's been cut off. And so you've got to understand new levels, new devils, but I do need to just put a, a caveat in there that don't get focused on that. Because you know, you meet those people and when you meet them and, and, and everything they want to tell you is everything the devil's doing. I need to be aware that I'm in a spiritual fight. And when I start to take ground just like a war, there's going to be retaliation. But I don't want to get focused on what the devil's doing. I'm focused on the fact that Jesus has already won the battle. I'm focused on the fact that that my enemy is a defeated foe because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm focused on the fact that greater is he that lives on the inside of me than he that is in the world. And then the last point is this. It is, and see that, that second point, Understanding new levels, new devils makes the first point even more important. 
Because you need to stay full. You need to stay connected, especially if you're starting to step into new levels of destiny, then even more so you need to be filled. Even if you get a, When you get a freedom miracle today, you need to live on point one. I'm just going to keep being sustained. I'm going to keep drinking. I'm going to keep eating what he says. I'm going to sustain myself so that when the enemy does retaliate, I'm ready to go. And the last one is this, number three, you've got to come out of your cave and get real with God. And we see that one message caused him to be under a tree suicidal. And then he ran to a cave. You know, pressure, what it does is it reveals cracks. The cracks were already there. You just couldn't see them until the pressure came. Now when the pressure comes, you can't not see the cracks. You know, a Navy SEAL quote that I love says this, When pressure comes, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. And that's what pressure does. It just reveals where you're really at. Because when there's not much pressure, you can think that you're sort of further than you are. But you you know there's a funny scripture in the New Testament that says, uh, you know, when uh, tribulation comes, it brings uh, character perseverance and then hope and like I don't know if that's true because when tribulation comes to me do you know what it normally first reveals lack of character I said some stuff I shouldn't say I got angry with God and different things and and so really what pressure actually normally really does is reveals lack of character but because the pressure revealed lack of character I can now see oh okay there's some cracks that I need to work on and then I end up with better character and so in in verse 99 I'm not going to read it but he ends up in a cave and if you think about this right if you think about the cracks when pressure comes, the, the, the cracks are that, that weakness, that dysfunction, that wrong mindset, that thing you've always struggled with. And, and I think about it like this, right? Imagine if there's cracks within your body, but there's this illuminated light piercing out. Because when pressure comes, it's like, oh, I, can't, I can't not see the weakness, the insecurity, the fear, the negativity, the addiction. And so when that comes, the reason we look for caves to escape in is because caves are dark. And if I go into a cave, I get temporary relief from seeing the cracks. And I naturally don't like seeing the cracks. So I look for places that I can hide. And and a cave, it could be too much alcohol. It, It could be... It could be how much you put yourself into your work. It could be binging massively on Netflix. It could be pornography. It could be gossip or depression. It doesn't matter what it is. And of course, some caves are more destructive than others. But let's be real, a cave's a cave. A cave is a place of saying, I'm not going to deal with the crack. I want to go hide in a cave. But the crack never gets better, it just eventually gets worse. And then we see, see it's always the voice that we're going to pray into that will bring you out of the cave. 
And the part that I want you to catch, because this is, I didn't say this at the start. Two times, if we put up there, 1 Kings 19, 9 to 10. He says, there he went into the cave and he spent the night. So, so I, missed, I missed the point before that. God asked him a question. You can leave it there. No, leave it on that one that you were just on. God asked him a question. He says, why are you here? So when he came out of the cave, God says, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah says, I've been very zealous of the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one that's left. And now they're trying to kill me. And then the fire comes, and then the wind, and then the earthquake. And then that's when he hears the still small voice of God. Remember, we talked about it before. And it was the voice that brought him out of the cave. And I'd never seen this before. God says to him again, Elijah, why are you here? He asked him the same question twice. Now, if I ask you the same question twice, there's only three reasons why I'd do that. One, I didn't hear you properly. God doesn't have a problem with hearing. <laughs> Two, this one happens a lot in marriage. I don't understand what you're saying because you're speaking another language. So I'll ask the same question again because I don't understand your answer. God doesn't have a problem with understanding. He knows your answer before you've even said it. Now the third reason why I might ask you and this is the reason, the only reason why God would ever ask you the same question twice is because you gave the wrong answer. And I'm giving you an opportunity to answer again. But it's amazing because we won't go there, but Elijah answers the exact same question again. Sorry, he gives the exact word for word verbatim. I'm the only one! And they're killing everyone with a sword and I'm the only one that's zealous for you. And I actually believe that right in that moment, he missed a moment. He missed a moment to come out and be real. To come out of the cave and get real with God. See, I don't know what it was because it wasn't just the word from Jezebel that caused him to end up in a cave. Like, like who knows, if someone doesn't just end up in an adulterous affair because they were walking down the street and they tripped over and landed in a bed naked with someone else that was naked. It doesn't happen. There was a journey of thoughts, what we let our mind go to, what we entertain, and there was a journey that eventually took someone to that place. So I don't know what it was for Elijah. I know that what we do see is when he's under the tree, he starts to talk about, yeah, I failed just like all of my ancestors. Maybe Elijah always believed he'd fail of who he was from he was from a place that's called captivity so maybe he just hadn't de dealt with the captivity that was still inside of him and maybe he could have had a moment where he came out of the cave and when God asked him the question the second time he could have said God if I be real with you since I was a little boy I always felt that I was going to fail and when she spoke those words I thought here it is I knew it was always coming God could you help me with my unbelief help me with my rejection Help me with this addiction. Help me with this struggle. And he missed a moment. You know, the amazing thing, and again, just for time's sake, God then says, okay, fine. He says, go and anoint Hazel, the king. Go and anoint Jehu, the king, who will destroy Jezebel, 
and anoint Elisha to take over from you. You know that Elijah, I'd never seen this, but Elijah went straight from that moment and he only anointed Elisha. And then he went up with chariots of fire in heaven. So actually Elijah never fulfilled the will of God. And Elisha eventually anointed Hazel and went and anointed Jehu. And I think the thing in that thing is if eventually if it gets to a place where we won't deal with the stuff that God wants us to deal with, he'll find someone else to do the thing that you were called to do. And God, by his goodness and grace, Elijah appears in the New Testament. So God's still good. Elijah's still a great man of God. But I just believe he missed a moment to come out of his cave and be real. I know for me, I've shared this story. We're going to pray in just a second. But start of last year. I went and met with Lance Williams because I felt like I was struggling in some areas. And I took my mask off because your face can't get healed unless you take your mask off. And I got real with Pastor Lance and, and he prayed for me and I had this moment where I saw a vision of these doors closing. It was a tunnel and the doors just closed and instantly I knew there was darkness behind the doors. And I went home the next day. It was January 27th last year. And I was getting ready to preach at one of the campuses. And I walked into my bathroom and I was overwhelmed by how quiet my house was because my family had left. But then as I was stopped in my tracks, overwhelmed by the, the quietness, I realized it's not the quietness of my house. It is the quietness of my house. And literally since that moment, I've been radically different. For 20 years, I struggled with the noise of condemnation. When I was doing bad, the noise was loud and almost debilitating. When I was doing good, it was kind of way in the background. But you could still hear the noise in the background. And from that moment, it stopped. And we're going to believe right now for freedom that you would step into an encounter and I want to ask every person to stand to their feet. <clears throat> and here's what I want to do. In just a moment, if you know that there's an error in your life, we're going to pray for people towards the end, like give people just to seal some stuff. But right now, what we're going to do is just right, right now in your seats. Because like I said, the greatest thing that could happen in this moment today that brings freedom is that you'd hear him speak. And I'm just believing in the next six to seven minutes that you'd step in to an encounter. Step in to a father that loves you, that wants you to fulfill the will of God, that wants to help you with that struggle, that addiction, that anxiety, that insecurity, that depression. So many different ways that we can get oppressed. And right now, if you're in this place and you just say, you know what? And it doesn't matter. Like it could be a number of many things, but maybe you relate and you're like, Lucas, if I'm, if I'm honest, there's a cave that I keep going to. And today I'm coming out of the cave. Or, or Lucas, there's an area in my thinking where I really do feel oppressed. And, and, and I've kept trying to break through, but I just, I just can't seem to get free. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands to, the, to heaven right now. Yeah, it's a whole lot of people right now. Just if that's you, lift your hands to heaven. Spirit of God, 
Father, I just release. There it is. There it is. There it is. There's people now you're starting to cry because you're starting to feel the love of the Father. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And when you, like what Elijah missed out on, when you can just be real and say, God, I'm stepping out of the cave. And God, this is what's really going on. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to help me. God, you know that area, I'm so weak in it, but I need your help. I need your strength. I, I feel like there's some stuff that's keeping me bound. And, 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 and I'm just believing in this moment as we pray that you're going to feel a freedom come that, that's going to be supernatural. It's going to be miraculous. It's going to be one of the moments that the Bible calls suddenlies, where suddenly it gets easier, where suddenly the noise stops, where suddenly the breakthrough comes, where suddenly the addiction is broken. And, and here's what I want to do. Just with every eye closed, I'm going to get you to, to pray a prayer. Just around oppression. If you've got your hands raised, you can put them to more to a comfortable kind of space. But just let God touch you. Just stay in that receive mode. That's where I want you to stay. And I want you to repeat after me. And, and even if you didn't lift your hands, this would be a good prayer for you to pray. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I ask for your forgiveness for my actions. I forgive those that have hurt me. I ask, Lord, that you renew and transform my heart and mind, creating me a clean heart and a right spirit within me. I declare the finished work of the cross and the blood of Jesus over my life. I submit to the power and authority of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus, I come against every unclean spirit and I break its hold over me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.